Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Oline. We're privileged to serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is episode 45, and for the last several episodes, we've been looking at hymns every Lutheran should know. I know that's a kind of a subjective way of looking at things, but... Uh, hymns that are pretty familiar, well-known. This one was uh, requested by one of our younger members of the congregation, since we're looking at communion hymns right now. In our episode today, we're going to be looking at LSB 618, I Come, O Savior, to Thy Table. If you've been in a Lutheran church for any amount of time, if you've driven by a Lutheran church, if you've heard uh, that Lutherans exist, you probably know this hymn and know this tune. It is very, very common in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Growing up in uh, my hometown, about 100 miles north of Lincoln, up in West Point, this was the communion hymn at least once a month. In the TLH hymnal, it had 15 verses. It was the only communion hymn, and it just became synonymous with Lutheranism and the Lord's Supper, and we thought we would take a look at it and see if it is worthy of the uh, great devotion and great attention that many Lutheran churches attach to it. 618 is five verses. In TLH, I come, O Savior, to thy table, is 15 verses. So what happened? Well, the editors of LSB decided to split the hymn into two. And so in 618, we have five verses. In 619, we have five verses. And the other five verses are kind of swept into oblivion. In the hymnal that was in between, Lutheran worship, they had six verses, I come, O Savior, to your table. They worked really hard at uh, modernizing the language of the hymn in a lot of hymns in LW. It's 242. And in LW 242, there are six verses. And the verse that was added, uh, let's see here, one, two, three, the fourth verse in LW is a verse that is not contained in either LSB or or TLH. So what in the world is going on? Where do all these verses come from? Uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about, a lot of uh, great theology as we work our way through this hymn. I was only able to find the five verses, 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table, in the public domain on the internet for us to listen to. But we're going to examine as many of these 15, if you add the one from LW, 16 verses as we can during our program today, episode 45. Pastor, what is your, you didn't grow up in the Lutheran church. Um, you were in a church that was not known for its emphasis on the sacraments. Did you ever hear of this particular hymn before you ventured into the Lutheran church? Uh, no, I really never heard it before I became a Lutheran. It's not the kind of thing that uh, the church I grew up in would really spend a lot of time talking about. There wasn't a lot of emphasis on the Lord's Supper, let alone uh, an acknowledgement that in the Lord's Supper we come into contact with the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, or forgiveness of sins. In fact, the church I grew up in uh, teaches that um, the 
Lord's Supper is one of God's two new commandments and that it's actually your responsibility to go and to take the Lord's Supper, even uh, as you just remember Jesus in doing so. And that's really what it's all about, is your work of remembering Jesus when you drink Welch's grape juice and eat a teeny tiny little piece of, I, I don't even know what it cracker of some kind okay did uh, did the church body that you grew up in use the term ordinance with regard to the lord's supper um i don't think that they used that specific language the word ordinance but they did talk about the two new testament commandments which were kind of abrogating and overtaking the old testament 10 commandments uh and then beyond that most of the theology and the discussion that was had was what do individuals feel about this? There was no one truth in the scripture. It was all based upon what you feel, and there was no set doctrine and and creeds beyond the Bible. In fact, I'd probably hear that more often than the word ordinance, but no creed but the Bible was the big thing. And the, the issue with that was that they didn't really necessarily believe that the Bible was true across the board either. Sure. Uh, well, that term ordinance is uh, fairly common in non-Lutheran, non-Roman Catholic, uh, non-sacramental churches. It is, uh, it is, like you said, kind of a new command or a new law, and this is a major distinction between what Bible-believing Lutherans teach regarding the Lord's Supper, and we will see that come out very, very clearly in this hymn. The Lord's Supper is gift. It is is pure gift. It is not an ordinance. It is not a law. We receive. God gives and we receive. Pastor, do you want to read that first verse of LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table. I come, O Savior, to thy table, for weak and weary is my soul. Thou bread of life alone art able to satisfy and make me whole. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. That refrain, I think, resounds in so many churches, in so many minds, even people that don't have this hymn or all the verses of this hymn memorized, they know that refrain. And to see people standing in line or at the communion rail singing or mouthing these words, uh, that refrain is its just amazing. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. Pastor, what kind of theology is packed into that refrain? Yeah, maybe even to start, uh, the discussion of having a refrain is kind of an unusual thing for us in our hymns, and yet I think what is really great is that when we do have a refrain like in this one, it is uh, bringing across theology that is distinctly Christian and Lutheran in that regard. And and so when we say, Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good, what we're meaning is that uh, as we come to the Lord's Supper, the thing we're coming into contact with is the very body and blood of Jesus Christ in, with, and under the bread and the wine, given for us Christians to eat and drink for forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And uh, the 
acknowledgement of that is a huge thing uh, that many church bodies are unable or unwilling to do, even though it's very clearly taught in Scripture. And uh, we, uh, in response, sing that particular refrain about that reality. You know, if if you sing the 15-verse version, you sing it 15 times. If you sing the 6-verse version, you sing it 6 times. But it's the thing you sing most often, that we are eating the body of Jesus that was crucified on Calvary, that was laid in the tomb and raised from the dead, and now is alive forevermore in God's kingdom. We're eating that body for forgiveness of sins. And the blood that flows through his veins even till today, the entire blood that won our forgiveness, we're drinking that as well. And uh, we are what we eat in that regard. We are given eternal life by eating the body and blood of the eternal Jesus. It's uh, it's amazing to me that you know we're we're at the rail, we're drinking wine, we're eating a little piece of bread, and we are confessing in this hymn that I am not only eating bread and drinking wine, but I'm eating and drinking the very body and blood of Jesus. This confession resounds over and over and over again. Uh, There is that subjective word, Lord, may, may thy body and thy blood before my soul the highest good. That seems to imply that it may not before my highest good. Uh, what is this refrain teaching about the worthy reception of the Lord's Supper, Pastor? Well, um, yeah, there's an acknowledgement that um, faith in these words, given and shed for you, give you exactly what they say, uh, forgiveness, life, and salvation. And yet there are those who come to the Lord's table and do not have faith in those words or doubt those words or, um, you know, even... Uh, vehemently disagree with those words. And when we don't believe the words of Jesus, then we're not eating and drinking to our blessing and our forgiveness, but rather we're eating to our own condemnation and guilt. St. Paul talks about this in the Burke, the Burke, the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, and, and he says that um, uh, failure to uh, examine oneself and specifically to understand what you're uh, partaking in uh, can hurt your faith, and he even goes so far as to say there's even some of you uh, that are dead as a result of your lack of faith in this. And so that's the acknowledgement there that um, while we all eat and drink the same things, it's not always a blessing if you don't if you don't have faith in God's word. I better stop talking here. I keep mixing my words, vowel sounds around no, here. That, that's okay. I'm going to have you uh, key up 1 Corinthians 11. 23 to 29, that's one of the uh, Bible passages that's listed, in fact, the first one. And we're going to listen to verse 1 of LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table.
There we have verse 1, LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table. Pastor, we talked about uh, the uh, the prayer here in the refrain is for a worthy reception of the Lord's Supper, that the Lord's Supper, the very body and blood of Jesus in with and under bread and wine, would be for my soul, because it is soul food, the highest good. The first Bible passage listed on the bottom right-hand column of LSB 618, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. Yeah, uh, before I read, do uh, just to point out, this is the very first time that the words of institution are recorded for us by St. Paul, and I love the way he begins it here. So, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, in the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way else we took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The gift of the Lord's Supper, the verba, the words of institution, are the primary text. Anytime that we are studying the Lord's Supper, we want to go right to the source. And the words of institution are recorded for us in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in 1 Corinthians uh, 11, as, uh, as we just heard here. In 1 Corinthians 11, also, we have that warning with regard to, uh, if you've got that, yeah, let's hear it. It's right after that. It says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. We have... Uh Strong words there from God through the Apostle Paul, and we're going to talk more about that when we come back from our first break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal, episode 45. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline. We are venturing to look at different aspects of Lutheran worship, the theology and practice. We want people to be at home in their hymnals, whether they're in the corporate worship service with individual or family devotions. For the last several episodes, we've been looking at hymns, and we are looking specifically now at the Lord's Supper hymns. We are tackling LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table. As we came back from break, we heard verse 1 again, a marvelous testimony to God's gift of the Lord's Supper. Now, we've been taught, Pastor, 
that when we use the words I, me, and we in our theology, we need to be very careful because the focus is often on the self or the center rather than on God. Now, this hymn begins with the word I, and we might want to have our antennae up, our red flag warning out, I come, O Savior, to thy table. But then it says, for weak and weary is my soul. What's going on here, Pastor? Yeah, um, it, is, it isn't talking here in terms of I'm uh, doing something to earn my salvation here, but rather it's confessing a reality that I, as a Christian, I'm coming now uh, to the Lord's Supper, and the reason is because I have a weak and weary soul, or, or to put it maybe in less poetic terms, I am a sinner who needs to be here at the Lord's Supper, to receive the gifts that God gives. And so uh, it's confessing a reality. It's not talking about things that I'm doing to earn my salvation. It's talking about I'm coming here to receive God's gifts. And the uh, Formula Concord talks a lot about this in in terms of the third use of the law and um, uh, a couple other places where it talks about the Christian does want to come to the Lord's Supper. The Christian does want to come to church and does those things to feed their faith, even though they haven't contributed to their salvation and earning their forgiveness, life, and salvation. The next line talks about uh, thou, bread of life, alone are able. Now, this bread of life is a clear reference to Jesus in John chapter 6. We talked about that in great length in our previous episode, episode 44. And then that last little part there, it says, to satisfy and make me whole. Pastor, in what way does that, that little uh, shot glass or sip of wine and that little morsel of bread satisfy and make me whole? Well, uh, it satisfies our um, need for forgiveness, life, and salvation to be bestowed upon us without any merit or worthiness in ourselves, because when we eat that little piece of bread and we drink that little sip of wine, we get the entire Jesus and all that he has done to forgive us uh, bestowed upon us. And so that teeny tiny little I don't know, snack, I I hate to use that term, but that little tiny bit of food that we eat brings Jesus to us completely. And even even the teeniest, tiniest little sip, uh, teeniest, tiniest little crumb of the Lord's Supper is the whole Jesus for me, for my forgiveness. And uh, that's just a truly amazing thing that that little bit can give us all of Jesus and therefore create and sustain faith within us. Uh, extremely well said. Thank you, Pastor. You want to read verse 2 of LSB 618. Thy heart is filled with fervent yearning that sinners may salvation see, who, Lord, to thee in faith are turning, so I, a sinner, come to thee. Okay, so instead of I, as the first stanza begins, now the focus is on God. Thy heart is filled with fervent yearning. What kind of a fervent yearning does God's heart have, Pastor? The will of God is to save sinners from their sin and grant them eternal life, and that's the yearning that Christ has in his heart uh, as he comes, takes on our flesh, lives a perfect life, dies on the cross, and rises from the dead. 
God is excited and eager to save us from our sinful state. The next uh, next line says, "Who Lord to thee in faith are turning." So this is not like an automatic dispensary, or as uh, some church bodies would teach, ex opera operato, uh, with regard to the work does the work. What is this? Uh, what is this turning in faith thing? Well, I think that's a really great way to say it. Um, in faith. Christians are turning to Jesus, and that's putting the order correctly. It's not we're turning to Jesus to get faith. Rather, because God has bestowed faith upon us through the Word and the sacraments, and remember this hymn's context usually is in the uh, distribution of the Lord's Supper, in having heard the Word already and now about to receive the Lord's Supper, uh, the Holy Spirit's worked faith in me, which raises up a new saint within me that wishes to turn to the Lord and to worship him properly as we would if we were not sinful people. And so it's getting the order right. Faith comes first, and then we turn to God. It's also important to note that repentance is not something we do. Repentance is a gift of God, that gift of contrition, being sorry for our sins, and then faith that clings to the promises of God. This, too, is pure gift. And many of our uh, friends in other denominations uh, have failed to see that which is clearly taught in the scriptures. I like to point out when uh, when some of my um, more Baptist-leaning friends would say something to the effect of, oh, I love your church, I just wish you'd have an altar call. And my response is always the same. We have an altar call every service. It's called the Lord's Supper, and that is the proper understanding of an altar call. God calls sinners who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus to come and feast on him. We don't call have an altar call so people can give their heart to Jesus. Jesus has already given his heart for us, his body, his soul, his life. Pastor, is that uh, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I think that's um, a good way to think about it, and yet I'm always really careful to use that language, altar call, just because of the baggage that it carries with it today. And there's other words and phrases that probably do portray correct theology that I'm always careful with as a result of the society we live in. Yeah, yeah I like to turn a phrase. Let's listen now to verse 2, stanza 2 of LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table. That was verse 2, stanza 2 of 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table. Pastor, in the uh, time that we have left in this segment, let's talk a little bit about the author of this uh, hymn. Um, And we can only talk a little bit about the author because we only know a little bit about the author. What what did you discover about, oh, let me see here, I have his name, Friedrich Christian Heider. 
Yeah, uh, Friedrich Christian Heider is not a famous hymn writer. He's not a famous person. He's a person who history has forgotten beyond the reality that he wrote this hymn. Uh, we know when he was born in 1677, um, and we know that he was born in Merseburg, Germany. Uh, we know that he was first a deacon and then became a pastor later on in a nearby town called Zorbig, uh, and that he served as a pastor faithfully for 35 years, uh, and then he died. And the thing that we know is that he wrote this hymn. Beyond that, we know very little, and I think that really de- demonstrates the reality of a pastor. A pastor's not there to toot his own horn, to advertise himself, to uh, make people remember him so that they never forget him. If that happens, praise be to God. But a pastor's job is to preach the word and to do so faithfully. And if he's forgotten, and uh, even if his picture falls off the wall uh, where all the pastors have their pictures hanging and is broken and lost forever, that's okay because our job is pastors is to point people to Jesus. I think, biblically speaking, the apostle that demonstrates this is uh, Matthias, who uh, is appointed to replace Judas Iscariot at the beginning of Acts, and that's the very last thing that we hear about him. There's a little bit of church tradition, but uh, it's just church tradition. We don't know if it really happened or not. He was an apostle, and uh, he pointed people to Christ, but he himself was forgotten. The hymn was uh, a favorite in the very, very early days of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. In the first uh, Missouri Synod hymnal, which was from 1847, it contained 21 stanzas. And uh, it was very, very commonly used during the distribution of the Lord's Supper. And you have to remember back in those days, the Lord's Supper was celebrated very infrequently, maybe four times a year at most. And so to have that 21-verse hymn marking those very, very special occasions when the Lord's Supper would be celebrated was uh, amazing. Now, this hymn first appeared in 1710. So you gave the dates uh, for the for the pastor. You gave the uh, the dates as 1677 to 1754. So he must have written this hymn very very early in his life, early in his ministry, and it was uh, it, it appeared in the uh, first hymnal in uh, 1710 in Zwickau, and it had 28 stanzas at that time. And so I just, I would love someday to be able to discover, recover, whatever those, uh, those lost stanzas, because if they are anything like what we have here, they are dripping with great doctrine, practice, theology, with regard to this amazing gift that we call the Lord's Supper. Pastor, do you want to read the words of verse 3 before we take our next break? Sure. Unworthy though I am, O Savior, because I have a sinful heart, yet thou thy lamb wilt banish never, for thou my faithful shepherd art. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. What is this uh, unworthy though I am? I thought uh, the Lord's Supper demanded a worthy reception. Uh, help, help sort that out, can you please? Yeah, the uh, unworthy here is a confession of 
faith, of sins, of all that, the, the Scripture's truth that we in ourselves are not worthy, and that acknowledgement that we don't deserve God's gifts, but that he bestows them on grace, um, that's the very thing that we need to understand about ourselves to be worthy to receive the Lord's Supper, because if the Lord's Supper brings forgiveness of sins, we have to acknowledge we need forgiveness of sins to be worthy to receive it. I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm oh, saying yeah. it backwards. And we have that shepherd sheep imagery toward the end of that uh, third stanza as well. And I'm reminded of Isaiah. We all like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the good shepherd who comes and rescues poor, miserable sinners like you and me. We need to take another break. We'll be right back. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We're looking at LSB 618. I come, O Savior, to thy table. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. This is episode 45. We're looking at him, LSB 618. I come, O Savior, to thy table, for weak and weary is my soul. A uh, great hymn, a very popular hymn in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. It is sung quite often during the distribution of the Lord's Supper. Originally in uh, TLH, that's what most of our memories take us back to, 15 verses. Five of those 15 verses are in 618 LSB, I come, O Savior, to thy table. Five additional verses are in 619, and uh, that is thy body given for me, O Savior. It's just a uh, different title uh, given to, uh, taken from, uh, one of the stanzas. It's, it's, uh, it's also, uh, go, go ahead, Pastor. I was going to say the reason that they did that is so that you can sing different verses of the hymn, um, during the distribution of the Lord's Supper and maybe mix it up a little bit and not always, you know, get through the first five and then communion is over and you missed the last one. So you can start in different places that way without having to use up different uh, space on your hymn board or whatever up front. Yeah, I think there. I think there's always some practical reasons and practical things that are going on here. And let's just be honest, I think for most people, uh, singing a hymn of... Uh, 15 verses is tiresome or cumbersome, and they want to move on to something new or something different. And yet the great rich theology in this hymn uh, teaches us that uh, this is a hymn that is worthy to be sung. And so uh, we don't want to get bogged down too much in uh, some of those things, but um, 
the uh, the beauty of this hymn is already apparent, and we've only worked our way through the first three stanzas. We heard stanza three as we came back from our break. We want to take a look now at stanza four, Pastor, of LSB 618. Weary am I and heavy laden, with sin my soul in is sore oppressed. Receive me graciously and gladden, my heart, for I am now thy guest. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. Okay, now we have a continuing theme that's going on here. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I'm weak. I'm weary. Um, We had that weak and weary in stanza one as well. And so, weary am I and heavy laden. And we don't have to wonder heavy laden with what, because the next line tells us, with sin, my soul is sore oppressed. Pastor, there are, there are many things, especially in the Lutheran confessions, that talk about the importance of God's gifts, the importance of God's word, the importance of pure doctrine for the oppressed soul. There's a lot of uh, rich pastoral theology in what otherwise would seem to be a big, long, dry book of doctrine. What is this soul oppression that the Lutheran confessions talk about and is brought out clearly here in stanza four of LSB 618? Well, uh, soul oppression would be um, when the weariness and the weight of this world bear down upon us because we are sinners and God did not desire us to be sinners even though we are and so when we're struggling with this world and the the life that we live uh, it gets old it wears on us it is as St. Paul writes uh, I desire to depart and to be with Christ for that would be far better Um, an eagerness to be with God in his kingdom where there is no more sin or sorrow or suffering where um, instead Christ wipes every tear from our eyes as the scripture teaches it's good for us to look forward to that even as we acknowledge we're in this world and it's God's good timing for those um, for leaving this world to take place, uh, maybe is the way to say it. I, I think we have an almost epidemic level right now, especially with regard to depression, worry, anxiety, fear, doubt. Back in the olden days, they called it melancholy. When I was a kid growing up, people were in a funk. And you go to the Lord's Supper when you're in a funk. And verse 4 teaches that, Uh, the weary and heavy laden soul comes to the Lord's Supper and then receive me graciously and gladden my heart for I am now thy guest. We've got uh, gladden the heart, we've got the guest and receive me graciously. What's going on with those three separate but connected word pictures? Well, um, It is looking forward to God's eternal kingdom of heaven where we'll be welcomed into the place of peace and comfort, but it's at the same time acknowledging that while here in this sinful world where we do have melancholy or difficulty or challenges, uh, we also have been given the gift of the Lord's Supper, which in a sense, as a a part of the divine service and of the Lord's Supper, that is um, heaven on earth for us where 
when we come to the Lord's table, we're given a solution to the challenges and difficulties of this world uh, and a forgiveness of sins through Jesus, which is uh, a taste of what heaven is going to be like. It's a, it's a great gift and blessing for us. I'm not sure I'm saying it clearly again here, but uh, we're doing the best we can. Well, and, and uh, you know, Lutherans are, are very, very clear that uh, we are not emotionless people. Um, you know, God speaks to both the head and the heart. And when we are down, when we are weak, when we are weary, when we are uh, cumbered with a load of care, as another hymn says, the, God's word refreshes our soul. God's word gladdens the heart. And we don't have to be afraid of that. And simply knowing that God is coming to us personally with his body and blood, the whole Jesus, as you said, bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation, that should make us glad. That should refresh and lighten the hearts, even though the earthly burdens may still be there, knowing that God is with us and for us rather than absent or against us is a tremendous blessing. And that's why it's so important, I, just for our listeners' sake, if you're out there feeling this melancholy and difficulty of this world, come to church. Uh, come back to church. Hear the word. Be uh, the place where God forgives sins. It's really important for you. Amen, amen, amen. Let's listen to stanza four. LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table. That was stanza four, LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table. I want to give a little bit of a shout out to the spot on YouTube where we were able to find both the music and the words, the Lutheran organist, the Lutheran organist. Uh, uh, check him out. It's a hymn I can see in the picture there. Uh, and it was very, very difficult for us to find anything that was in the public domain on this particular hymn. We had several places where it was the music only, but not the words. And uh, only 618, nothing on 619, the companion hymn. And uh, we want to take a little bit of a look at some of these extra verses in our fourth segment when we come back. Pastor, let's take a look at stanza five of LSB 618. What higher gift can we inherit? It is faith's bond and solid base. It is the strength of heart and spirit, the covenant of hope and grace. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? We, uh, we hear that in scriptures on a regular basis. People always want to do something to earn merit or keep their salvation. What higher gift can we inherit? What is that inherit language teaching us, Pastor? 
Well, it's it's talking about, um, and maybe it's echoing the catechism here, when you come to the Lord's Supper, what is it that you receive? Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are the things given to us in the Lord's Supper. And think about those things that you get then, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. What more important thing is there than that? Even if you were promised uh, $100 million and never having to work again for the rest of your life, is that more important than eternal life? Even if you were promised um, you know, the, the best car or the best clothes or cell phone or whatever, is that better than forgiveness of your sins that grants you eternal life? Uh, is it better than salvation? What better gift is there than what you receive in church in the divine service? There isn't a better gift. It is the best thing for you, and you get it all when you come and eat the body and blood of Jesus, given and shed for you for forgiveness of sins. In that next uh, line in stanza five, it, this gift, the Christ's body and blood and the Lord's Supper, it is faith's bond and solid base. What uh, What's being taught here, Pastor? Well, um, it is the thing upon which all the rest is founded then. The word of Jesus delivered to us in the Lord's Supper is how faith comes to us. Uh, it's what feeds our faith. It is the thing that binds us to Jesus because when we eat the Lord's Supper, Christ is um, physically in our presence and coming into contact with us. And so we receive Jesus most clearly here in the Lord's Supper. It, again, meaning this uh, gift in the Lord's Supper, is the strength of heart and spirit. I think that echoes several things that we've talked about already in this particular hymn. And then that last line in stanza five, the covenant of hope and grace. A little bit, Pastor, on that covenant language and what kind of covenant we have in the Lord's Supper. Yeah, covenant here means uh, um, testament or promise. And you remember Jesus' own words when he uh, institutes the Lord's Supper. Uh, he says, this cup is the New Testament or covenant in my blood. In other words, he's the thing that was shed so that this promise between you and God could be made, that your sins would be forgiven, that you would live forever. Um, that's the testament or covenant that Jesus makes with God on your behalf uh, in the Lord's Supper. And so, in, in a sense, it's saying what we say in the second article of the Creed. Uh, he has purchased and won us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, innocent suffering and death, that we may be his own and live with him in his kingdom. Let's listen to stanza five as we go into our next break. LSB 618, I come, O Savior, to thy table.
Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We've got 45 episodes of At Home in Your Hymnal, counting this one, that are available. You can uh, check out our radio archives at thecross957.org. You can go to your favorite podcast provider. We do most of our stuff on Anchor, but Anchor makes it available in several other venues as well. And uh, we'd love to have your feedback. A, a little shout out to Clark for requesting this particular hymn. And uh, I know you're listening, probably listening more than once. And so uh, I hope and pray that uh, our study here has been a blessing and uh, an encouragement as far as this wonderful hymn that we sing during the distribution of the Lord's Supper. Now, I know, Pastor, it's a little bit unfair to run five verses of a what was originally a 28-verse hymn through the Wolf Mueller Hymn Cruncher, but by golly, we're going to do it anyway, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, we do this, and uh, Pastor Brian Muf- Wolf Mueller in Austin, Texas, now um, a uh, uh, wonderful author in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, a brilliant young pastor, and uh, he has put together kind of a criteria for analyzing songs, hymns, uh, praise tunes, whatever, a little five-part ditty that we used. We call it, uh, I think he calls it the uh, hymn cruncher. So we call it the Wolf Mueller hymn cruncher. Number one, Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned? Pastor? He is mentioned. Uh, it doesn't say the name, you know, Jesus, son of Joseph, uh, the Christ, or anything like that, but it does call him the Lamb of God, and uh, he is the referent to many of these uh, he's and and uh, yours and things like that that are in this particular hymn. And so he is mentioned, uh, it, it does talk about his body and blood, which is the very gift that we're receiving in the Lord's Supper. And so when we talk body and blood here, we're talking about Jesus. So, Sa- Savior, Lord, Shepherd, Bread of Life, these are, these are all messianic yes. titles, and so while the specific name Jesus is not mentioned, this these five verses, and the other verses just follow right along, these five verses are quite frankly dripping with Jesus. So number two, clarity is the song clear. Does it use sentences uh, or fragments? Pastor, what do you think? I think the the hymn is clear. Uh, I think it uses uh, sentences, and there are a few things that perhaps you do need to have a Lutheran background or an understanding to wrap your brain around the theology that it's confessing, uh, but I think it is clear all the same. Okay, yeah, and again, this hymn is for catechized Christians who are preparing for or receiving or having just received God's gift in the Lord's Supper, and that's what it's specifically written for. Mysticism, subjectivity versus objectivity. Is the song about the things that God has done, objective, or about my own emotions and experiences? Pastor? It is uh, about the things God is doing, uh, giving salvation to sinners uh, in faith, 
uh, you're turning our hearts to you. Um, it's talking about those things. It does have what we do also as a result of faith in it. We come to the Lord's Supper and whatnot, but it's always because of what God is doing on the other side of things, forgiving sins and granting eternal life. It is not dry, rhymed doctrine. It takes into effect the fact that we do have emotions, that we are weak and weary, and Christ's body and blood is God's antidote for that. Number four, law and gospel. Does the song proclaim the law in its sternness and the gospel in its sweetness? Is the gospel conditional? Uh I think it does law and gospel fairly well here. It does uh, make the the Lord's Supper the, um, how do I say it, the delivery method, the means of grace for which God is giving forgiveness of sins. And it does speak about the law that makes us weak and weary and uh, overwhelmed with this world as well. Is there, number five, is there any explicit false teaching? No, sir. No. And so, again, just based on these five verses of, uh, of an overall hymn that is uh, many, many more verses, this is a hymn that is specifically written for the teaching, the doctrine, the practice, and the distribution of the Lord's Supper to weak and weary Christians. On the uh, Moline scale of 1 to 10, how are you going to rate this, Pastor? I'd probably give this one... An eight, um, you know, it, it's a good Lord's Supper hymn. It's a good hymn uh, in general. Um, it does have a specific use in the service uh, to be a distribution hymn. It's not uh, a hymn of the day. It's not a um, closing hymn or an opening hymn. It, it's specifically for distribution. Yeah, it, it, and in that limited use, I can see, you know, maybe uh, not rating it quite as high because it doesn't have the overall availability of some of the other hymns. Uh, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit, and I'm going to rate it. Yeah. I'm going to rate it uh, uh, nine and a half with the understanding that it is specifically uh, for the Lord's Supper, written for the Lord's Supper, and teaches clearly and beautifully the Lord's Supper, especially the refrain, Lord, may thy body and thy blood before my soul the highest good. It takes into account the fact that you can eat and drink Christ's body and blood without faith in an unworthy manner, and we are praying throughout this hymn that we receive Christ's body and blood in faith and for forgiveness, life, and salvation. Now, Pastor, I want to take the time that we have left in this fourth segment of episode 45 and skim some of the other verses. Uh, I want to take a couple of verses in 619, Thy Body Given for Me, O Savior, and if we have time, a couple of verses that didn't make LSB from TLH. Verse 1 of LSB 619, Thy body given for me, O Savior, thy blood which thou for me once shed, these are my life and strength forever, by them my hungry soul is fed. Your thoughts on verse 1 of LSB 619. Yeah, I think, again, this is now going to drive us to Jesus, specifically to the crucified and risen Jesus, which is the body and blood that we're eating uh, for, uh, you know, I say it again and again, forgiveness, life, and salvation. These are the things that give us life and strength, not just now, but forever. It is a participation in the eternity uh, of God's gift. Verse 3 of LSB 619, who can condemn me now for surely? 
The Lord is nigh who justifies. There we have that clear justification language. Romans 8, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Yes. And and that Romans 8 passage is listed uh, for this particular hymn, Romans 8, 33 to 39. Um, no hell I fear, and thus securely, with Jesus, there we have the name. There you go. Okay, I'm getting you up closer to nine and a half, aren't I? With Jesus, I to heaven rise. What do you think about that? Verse 3 of 619. Well, I think that's really important um, that we understand that when we receive the gift of God, we are completely and totally forgiven, and heaven is promised to us. It is our reality, and we can't just ignore that or forget about that or um, think about the short game in terms of forgetting the long game. We live in a world of condemnation, and Christ justifies us and sets us free. Last one on 619, verse 4. Though death may threaten with disaster, it cannot rob me of my cheer. Man, is there a line in any hymn that we need more than ever when people are just living in fear? For he who is of death the master with aid and comfort, air is near. Pastor, verse 4 of LSB 619. Yeah, we could talk a long time about this one, couldn't we? Because uh, the church throughout the ages of history has uh, done a better job than we lately of despising death and uh, uh, trusting that even though we die, yet shall we live. We really struggle with that in our world today, and uh, perhaps we need to confess that reality and repent of it and trust all the more boldly in the words and promises of Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection, the life, and who has overcome death and promised that in him we shall live forever. The, uh, there's, no, there's no perhaps there. That, that is a sin that we need to confess. There are five verses in TLH 315 that did not make either uh, LSB 618 or 619. And I want to just take a look at a couple of them. There's a common theme that runs through all five of these verses because they really talk about judgment. And we don't like to talk about judgment today. Um, verse 2 of, LS, or of TLH 3.15 says, O grant that I in manner worthy may now approach thy heavenly board, and as I lowly bow before thee, look only unto thee, O Lord. Um, Pastor, here we have again emphasized that worthy manner. What does true worthiness consist of? Well, it's worthiness that consists in trusting the word of Jesus, um, all of Jesus' words, and then specifically the words, this is my body given and shed for you for forgiveness of sins, this is my blood, uh, which is the New Testament, uh, the the covenant uh, for forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. That's what trusting in Jesus is, and that's the thing that makes us worthy to receive his gifts. Verse, it's a gift of God that is worked in us, too, by the Holy Spirit, just to be clear. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, verse or stanza four in TLH 3.15 is probably the most hard-hitting verse of any that we have here in English. Oh, let me loathe all sin forever as death and poison to my soul that I through willful sinning never may see thy judgment take its toll. Thoughts on that verse, Pastor? 
it's talking about the Christian life that we live as a result of God giving his gifts, where rather than, as often happens in our world today, embracing sin, we loathe it and hate it about ourselves. And and then as a result, I think this is important also, we confess our sin, trusting that when we are Christians, Jesus forgives the sin that we so loathe in ourselves. The good I want to do, I do not do. The evil that I do not want to do, that I keep on doing, or as I often say, that I do do, because <laughs> uh, that's about the truth. And uh, a Christian should loathe his sin. The Lord's Supper is not a license to sin. The Lord's Supper is not cheap grace. So we get a little forgiveness, uh, you know, uh, as Pastor Kuhlman would say, that car wash theology where we uh, spray off the big chunks and then go right back in the in the mud and the slop. And I think we can emphasize that. We should emphasize that more in our preaching and teaching. And I think it's in the large catechism that Luther says uh, we ought to go to confession. When I urge you to go to confession, I'm doing nothing else than urging you to be a Christian uh, he, I think he says, and that's the entire point of being a Christian, is loathing our sin and confessing it. For those who desire to be two, true Christians, to be rid of their sins, and to have cheerful conscience already possessed true hunger and thirst. My favorite stanza, verse 10 in TLH 3.15, This feast is manna, wealth abounding, unto the poor, to weak ones power, to angels joy, to hell confounding, and life for me in death's dark hour. My friends, God has given us a great gift in the feast of the Lord's Supper, Christ's body and blood in, with, and under, for forgiveness, life, and salvation for you, for me, and for the life of the world. Come to the feast. Come to the feast often. Receive Christ and his forgiveness. Thank you for tuning in to episode 45 of At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll see you again next time. God's richest blessings in Christ.